0: Um, my name is Christy Wimber, and I am married to Sean Wimber, who is the youngest of the Wimber boys and the good-looking one, and we have been married over 20 years, and we have two children. We have a daughter that's in university, and we have a son, uh, John Richard, who's in the back, who's 12, and I did it that way so that the older could raise the younger. It worked out for me. He, he was a surprise, actually. And we pastor a church uh, in Yerba Linda, California. How many of you guys heard of Yerba Linda? All two of you. Richard Nixon. Yerba, now five of you. <laughs> Yerba Linda, California. Yerba Linda is where the vineyard actually started. The vineyard movement actually started in Yerba Linda, California, um, off of our main street there. And um, so we haven't had a vineyard church there in many, many years. Uh, because when the when the vineyard grew, the original vineyard I moved to anaheim and so we uh when my church started about six years ago we just celebrate our sixth anniversary and um then now there's a vineyard back in your belinda so it does feel very much like um we have gone full circle and um and the lord is on the move and uh one of the things that um you know we've been seeing a great you know uh power is just the restoring power the restoration power of jesus and um it's it's one of the most wonderful things i think i've ever seen in my life just the the god bringing together all the churches and um and and restoring on in ways that i've never seen before It's so incredibly powerful and so um our church there is a a wonderful privilege and i never wanted to be a pastor actually (laughs) and uh never say never um but uh i do have a great love for the community and i have a great love for seeing culture change And um and I threw myself into the community and was serving the community and too many people got saved and I had a church. And uh and so that's that's how we started. It's a wonderful story actually. And we're having the time of our life. And one of the one of the wonderful things that is happening is that the Lord is coming in greater power again. I mean he's never left us. You know, it's we just serve a God of seasons and so there's seasons where, you know, he's moving on other things and uh but we've experiencing, you know, some great power right now and and um, and the Lord just uh, healing people. You know, you know what I'm seeing that's really great. I'm seeing people become whole. It's a beautiful thing. You know, it's it's wonderful when somebody gets healed physically. It's a it, you know that's a good good miracle. But it's a whole different a whole different scenario when somebody gets completely whole their mind, their body, their soul, their spirit, all of it that it gets it gets whole and they they turn around and they they give themselves to the church. And so we're seeing a lot of that. And it's fabulous. It's, it's daily miracle sort of stuff. So, we're having a wonderful, wonderful time. And I love England. I love England. I've been coming over here for 20 years. Came with John, you know, in the beginning and all those years. And, um, and I just love England. I didn't love, I did not like it in the beginning. That's the truth. Um, I was like, do people really live like this? But over the years, <laughs> over the years, I, I've actually developed such a great love for this place. And I love the culture. I love the football. I love just everything about it. So I have fallen in love with England all over again. And I have, I'm stirred. I'm very stirred right now for England. Um, because it feels to me very much like those early days. Um, and it just feels good. Um, and so I'm really stirred for you. I'm jealous of it, actually, to tell you the truth. I'm jealous. I won't be moving here. Not that jealous, but I am jealous because um, I live in California. <laughs> yeah. God calls us all different places. It's just the way it is, huh? So I'm going to share uh, with you today a few different things that I feel like the Lord wants me to encourage you in. Um, and I'm excited because I do believe that that he wants to come and move on us and, um, like he is right now. And um, I was just asking the Lord... You know, this morning, Lord, what do you have for these people? What do you have for these people? What do you want to do today? I mean, it's an incredible privilege that we come together and we get to encounter the living God. The living God. I um, One of the things that has is, is just been impacting me personally in my walk with the Lord is the Lord just reminding me again. Of, must have been a good word. <laughs> the Lord just reminding me of all of his Mercy. And, um, and I do believe the Lord, you know, moving in this next season that we'll experience the mercy of the Lord and in turn a repentance and, and, um, and healing and salvation and all those wonderful things. But I've, I've just had this great sense of the mercy of the Lord and studying about the mercy of the Lord and, and you know, the throne room of the Lord and how around the throne that there's a, a rainbow, an emerald rainbow that shoots forth mercy. And um, it's just a powerful, a powerful picture that God's mercy rains down on us and that his mercies are new every morning. So let's just let's just invite the Lord, even right now. I just I pray, Lord, that your mercy would fall on us today. Just come, Holy Spirit. I just thank you, Lord, for your presence that's already here. Lord, fill us with your mercy today. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, surprise us, Lord, in all kinds of ways, surprise us. We Just lay everything down, Lord, any agenda. Lord, anything that we think we need from you, Lord, you know what we need. So we make room for you today, Lord. We make room for you, Holy Spirit. We make room for you to come. We ask you to come. We ask you to come, Lord. Holy Spirit we make room in our heart Lord I pray Lord that you sharpen us by your word I pray Lord that you challenge us I pray Lord that you stir us I pray Lord that you remind us why we do what we do why we signed up with you Lord You just welcome Me, Lord Fill this place, Lord, with your power. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to speak a little bit just about our our existence in the Lord. Do you have any water, actually? Do you you have water in England? That that I can drink. (laughs) Um, Just about our existence in the Lord. And, um, you know, for me, for the last several years... This has been a journey where the Lord's really taken me on just personally uh, in my inner life and, um, and what I do as a pastor and as a leader and what's most important at the end of the day and what the Lord's after. And I think that, um, you know, at the end of our life, we don't want to, you know, get before the Lord and realize that all the things that we gave ourselves to weren't even the heart of the Lord. We want to know, what is the heart of the Lord? You know, what, it, what has he called us into as his church? What are the things that he's anointed us for? What are the things that um, that he said, you know, he's given to us for, for life? So I'm going to speak out of Acts chapter 17 here. Just a picture of what's happening is is Paul is um, in Athens, and during this time, you know, the people are, you know, in a great state of worship, as in worshiping lots of different gods. It was said at the time that there were over 20,000 gods um, that they had uh, erected that were statues, and they weren't just works of art like we would see today, they were they were works of art that were also as gods, that they would worship in, in all kinds of form, and the people believed that there was a God, uh, but it was a God of their own self-sufficiency, and so I think this is a, a wonderful passage um, about what what's important to the heart of the Lord, not getting sidetracked or distracted by uh, by things around us, and you know, I believe that even in this text where Paul's talking about all the different forms you know, of worship. I think this is even why real worship is even threatening because when real worship takes place in a spirit and in a truth, it changes us. It it does something to us from the inside out. And, um, and so they even had a God, um, that was erected that was called the unknown God because they, they worship from the place of fear. They worship from the place that we, we need to, you know, have all these different things You know being worshipped because they were so afraid that they wouldn't worship the right thing And so it was very fear motivated. It was very, you know from the place of fear And so paul, you know saw this he saw the state of the people he saw the heaviness that was on the people He saw, um, you know that they were trapped by this form of worship And that they didn't really know who god was and it wasn't just the secular. It was also the church It was the religious structure It was the religious structure that they were, you know, had all these different gods uh, that they were giving themselves to. And so in in 17 here, let me just read a bit of this just to give you the context of what I want to focus on. Starting in verse 24, it says this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of, of heaven and earth and does not live in temple built by hands. And he is not served by human needs, human hands, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they would live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live, we move, and we have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. So this really does, you know, speak about the, the providence of God. That our great God is in control of everything. The providence of God is really, uh, it means the protective care of God. It means that every aspect of our life, that God cares for it. He wants every part of our life. He wants us to give him every part of who we are. And um, and and really, this is going to point to you know where we live from, the place on where we live from. It's important that we know what we're connected to. And I love this because it really is. It, it's the encouragement, but it's also the knowledge of knowing that God is sovereign and that God is the one that has determined our life. There's two things that Paul points out here. He says that God's made and that God's determined. That means that we do not made and we don't make and we do not determine our life. Even though we feel like we do, even though we feel like we have that much control, we do not make the plans. We don't We don't have control. You know, we have this false sense of security. We have this false sense that we're in control, even in the church. But it's God who's made, and it's God who's determined. And it's all wrapped in, uh, up in provision. This is what I love about this. It is all wrapped up in God's provision... And it's surrounded by the sovereignty of the Lord. In other words, he's given provision. He's made and he's determined. But he's given provision for us to what? To find him. He has set this whole thing up. As it's the protective care of who he is. The provision of who he is. That he has us right where he wants us. God has you right where he wants you. I think so much of the time, it's easy to think... You know, if I live there, I could I could do ministry great. If I if I lived, you know, in this place and I had some money, then I could really be effective. I think we get caught up in some of those things. And they're distractions, they're sidetracked, so to speak. Because in, in reality, God has made and God has determined. And God has you where he has you for a reason. And the place that God sets us, the, the place that, uh, that God even causes us to live... He sets it up as provision, His provision, so that we would seek Him, so that we would find Him. It's the wonderful protective uh, care of our Lord, and this is what I found: if I don't, if if we don't seek the Lord where He sends us, we won't seek Him elsewhere. There's there's a, a call of what of what we have as a people, as a believer. If you're a believer, that where God calls you, it matters. Where God places you, it matters, and it's part of His provision. And so the provision of the Lord, I think I think it's important to understand the provision of the Lord because he is the great provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. But it's not just provision for money. It's provision for every aspect of our life. It's just part of who he is. He's the great giver. The kingdom is about uh, receiving. He is the great giver in every aspect. Salvation is a gift, right? Faith is a gift. Gifts are gifts. And so everything in God's kingdom, if we don't know how to receive, we're not going to do very well it has to do with god gives to us out of his care out of his protective care as the great provider and so it's trusting that that where god places us god will provide for us when god calls you into something he will back it up by by providing so when god you know calls me to, to do something in particular one of the ways if i know if the if the hand of the lord is on it is that he he provides for it he has the resources the resources for it that's one of the ways when i know this is god because he always provides for his purposes. That's how he works. Now, he does it different all the time because he doesn't want us to get sidetracked on how he provides. So, he will provide different often because if we if we get too caught up in how God provides and it's different the next time, it can it can become a stumbling block. So, it's not necessarily how God provides it's trusting and knowing that the providence of our God, the protective care of our God, that where He has placed us and what He calls us into, that He will provide for His purposes. Amen. I was in um, uh, Africa last month, and um, and I was on the tip of Africa somewhere, and um, <laughs> a, a beautiful place and. And when I got there, I didn't have really the internet. I didn't really, I couldn't have access to things. Of course not, because then everything at home just went downhill, like at once, you know. Those of you that are leaders, you know, when you, you can't get to something that you know you have to get to because you know you have to fix it, that kind of thing. And I'm on the, I'm on the tip of the earth. There's no way I'm going to be able to, help, you know, do anything. And I was so frustrated because it was very important that, uh, of what was happening. And I just went and to be with the Lord. And I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? This is your deal. This is what you initiated. This is your call. What do you want me to do? And um, and I just sat with the Lord for a while. And the Lord said to me really clear. He said, Christy, you know what? I protect my interests. This is my interest. You are my interest. That church is my interest. Give it back to me. And I know this. I know this. If I would have been home, I would have messed it up. There's something about... (laughs) You know, understanding that God will always provide for his purposes. Because that's his heart. He's made and he's determined. And so he backs it up, so to speak. I love that. do you love that? It's a wonderful, wonderful promise that he's given to us. Job 37, verse 5 says this. It says, God's voice is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. He directs the snow to fall on the earth. And tells the rain to pour down. I mean, just all of the intricate things. One of my favorite things to talk about is just a creation. And all of the things that God's created. All of the things that God's, um, you know, brought life to. He's the great creator who still creates. Who still creates. And as his children, we should be on the forefront of that. Every aspect of life he cares about. Every raindrop, every snow snowflake, every part of it is a, is a part of his hand. And so we we are called into this protective care, into the place of what God's called us into, what He's determined for our life. But every part of it matters. In other words, every part of who you are matters to the Lord. Every part of who you are, it matters. It's it's Psalm 139 when it talks about how how God has woven us. He's knit us together. That before time, you've been knitted together for His purpose. You have, that, That's where your purpose, that he, you find your purpose in Him because that's how He's knitted us. He knows. He created us, right? So He knows what we're for. And so every aspect of who we we are, it belongs to Him. I was reading about, you know, in Genesis where it talks about where God created, you know, man and woman in His image, in His own creation. And that God has, has, has put His name on us, so to speak. And that when God would speak, that, did you notice that when God speaks, things get created? When God speaks, just His very words do what—they bring spirit and they bring life. Life is a byproduct of God's voice, and in Genesis it talks about that when you know the, the words you know that when God spoke, that it was, and so all of creation was 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 from His voice, so to speak. And um and I read this story about this um this man. I think it was in like 1965, 1967, something like that. Anyways, he was he was a brilliant man, and he in, he invented this thing called the tonoscope. And what this did is that you know it put sand in it, and he would he would blow into it. And when he would blow into it, the sand would create different forms, you know, different things that, uh, from just even the breathing on it, saying words into this to the thing, almost like a not like a telescope, but kind of yeah. Anyways, it just sort of brilliant. Well, what they learned was that if just modern language, you know, breathes into this thing, that it would it would create things, but it would it wouldn't have words, it wouldn't have form. But when they spoke things from the Hebrew language, it, it created something. It actually had a form. The Hebrew language is our spirit language. It's the very, it's, it's how we were made. Many years down the road, this guy who's a doctor, and he studied aloe vera. And he studied the main part of aloe vera, which is, uh, uh, it's a, uh, what's his name? Dr. Reginald Daniel. And uh, aloe vera, which is basically a, a sugar. And, uh, and science knows that in our bodies, sugars are attached to proteins, right? You know this? Some of you doctors? Sugars are attached to proteins which are on the surface of our cells. So the sugars run through every part of our body. It's our immune system. It's how we communicate. It's every aspect of who we are. And so the, the big molecule that this man, other man studied in the aloe vera is called nanios. And, uh, and one day this doctor was doing a lecture, and he was showing the different forms uh, that would come together from the pictures with the different shapes. And this guy with the Yamaka was sitting in the front row, and he's watching all of these different shapes on the screen that this doctor was sharing. And he went up to the doctor, and he said, that shape that you're, that you're talking about, he, he asked him, he said, is that the, uh, marked on every cell of my body? And the doctor said, yes. And this young man said, did you know that this shape is called the technohedrogrammaton? And it means the name of God. In other words, every part of who we are on the cells that are attached to the protein, on every cell of our body, it has the name of God. Like we are marked by God, which is so powerful. And even his study about the mercy of God, like he's so in control. I mean, he has marked us, even those that we think have got away, even at times when we get away, we have been marked. He literally has marked every cell of our body with his name. Doesn't it seem like he's probably a little bit more in control than we realize? (laughs) That he set the whole thing up and he knows what he's doing. So this is what it is to know our God. To know who he is and how he cares and, and how to understand who he is and how he works and to be known by him and to know him and to know the things of him and to and to love him. And knowing that we're marked by him, knowing how significant we are, I think is really part, important. In other words, it's impossible to say that God is as marked as he has and is in control of everything that he has created, all of it. And that little things slip through his hands. It doesn't make any sense. So he says this in verse 17, uh, chapter 7, verse 28. It says, it's in God that we live. This is where I want to focus. It's in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our being. Being meaning our existence. This is why we exist. It's in him. So it's important. It's simple. This is so simple. And I think sometimes... Especially in the church, we can complicate everything. This is simple. If we think about the gospel, the gospel is one of proclamation and demonstration. It's a simple message. We complicate everything. We make everything really hard. And so what Paul's saying here, you know, what God's saying is there's a place to know who you are and then in turn where to live from. And so he says in God, meaning, you know, we find what we for, we find who we are. We find all that we need in Him. Our true existence is only found in God. Why we are is found in Him. Who we are is found in Him. In other words, it's not found in what you do. What you do is just an extension of who you are. Your identity cannot be in what you do because what you do will change over time. And those who put their identity in what they do and their life begins to change and go through different seasons, they lose their mind. Because their identity has been in what they do. Our identity is in Christ, in him, the great creator. That is where identity is. And when our identity is found in him, things can change and we don't lose our mind. Because I'm not tied to that. We're not tied to that. We're tied to him. And this is where we learn to live from. So every breath that we take, everything that we breathe in, the Holy Spirit, that it's in him, in God that we're called to live from. Isaiah 42, 5 says this. He that created the heavens and stretched them out, spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath to the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. So the same God who created the heaven and the earth, the same God that, that, uh, you know, gives breath and life to everything is the same God that breathes into you. The same God that wants time with you. When we talk about being naturally supernatural... When we talk about learning a life from the Spirit, it's important that we understand what that means. What does it mean to live a life in the Spirit? What does it mean to live in Him? What does that look like? And um, I think it's important that we do that because understanding what it means to be in Him is everything. Because most of culture, even most of us in the church, if we're not careful, we don't live from the place of being in Him. We live from the place of doing We live in the place of, we have to do this, and then we'll make time for God. And the promise here is, if you live in God first, in Him first, then all the other things will follow. The other promises of what He's given to us, in the right place, will follow. The word live here means to breathe. It means to be among the living. It means lifeless, not dead. It means endless in the kingdom of God. I love that. In Him that we live, in Him... We can, we can do the works of the kingdom. That is where the kingdom is found, is in him. In the king's domain. God's kingdom is inside of you, right? God's kingdom inside of you creates God's kingdom around you. If you don't believe it in here, you're not going to look for it out there. So it's a simple, you know, understanding that in God's kingdom, in the king's, you know, rulership inside of who you are, that is where you find who you are. That's where you find it. That's where you find in him. You find your calling. It means also that not only not only the, the that it brings life, it means that it, it's uh, our morals of character. It's the whole thing that we do backwards, where we try to do all the right things. We try to make the right decisions. You know, we try to not sin. All that, all that stuff that we get all caught up in. But it's in him, when we live from the right place, that it even empowers us to make the right choices. That's why he says in Ezekiel, I will put my spirit inside of you. And what my spirit will do, it will, it will empower you. It will empower you to follow my decrees, my laws. My, It will cause you to be obedient. In other words, if you've ever gone before the Lord, I do this all the time. Lord, I do not want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do what you're asking me. I have to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit and move me to obey you. Cause me... To want to do the things that you want me to do. But it's in him. If I go ahead of him, that's where we get in trouble, right? So it's living in him. And it also means a blessing. That's where you find your blessing for your life. Don't we want more blessing? Nobody says, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anymore." Nobody says that. Like, we want a blessed life. It's in Him that we find our blessing. That's the great promise that He has for us. We serve a God that is the God of, of generations. And because He is a God of the generations, we should never you know, do church or anything with one generation in mind. He gives us blessing to the thousand generation. It's all of the generations on how our God moves. So all of our choices of obedience, all of the things, and, and I think of this all the time, the things that I say no to that I would actually like to do, it's, it's because of a bigger picture for me. I say no to certain things because I don't want my grandkids to have to fight those battles. I say yes to other things because I want them to have that blessing. Do you see what I'm talking about? That's the God that we serve. And we find those things in him. Now, it's in him that we find what? That we find his spirit. And it's from this place that that we move. And, And the word move there actually means a cause to go. This is like the kingdom in action. How many know the kingdom is one of advancement, right? It's about going forward. You can Just because you're moving doesn't mean you're advancing. God doesn't go backwards. God is a God of advancement. He's a God of moving forward. And so we can be very busy and never advance. God's advancing his kingdom right, in, right now. He's advancing it all around the world right now. It's just whether or not we're on board, right? So it's in him that we live, that we breathe that we find our blessing, that we understand the kingdom, that we understand the right way to live. And from that place, that's where we move. That's where we're called to go. That's where we're called to live out the kingdom, so to speak. And it's called, um, it actually means, and I love this, because it means marked by life. So how many know we can live, we can do a lot with no life? We can do a lot of church with no life on it. We can do a lot of things that don't have anything that has the breath of God on it. We can get so busy. We can get so busy doing so many things that don't represent and don't have God's Spirit on it. So it's in life. So it comes from the place of being in Him. It's learning to pray and then plan. It's learning to wait before we work. It's those simple things of making choices that I'm not going to just do stuff to do stuff, but rather I'm going to wait for Him. We live in a culture that's going to get worse with distraction. We live in a time with with the technology. I love and hate technology. That's the truth. I love and hate it because I don't like the distance that it's creating. There's there's a there's a it, it's made the world incredibly small on one level, which that's the part of it I like. And the other part of it I don't like is that it's causing a bigger distance. In other words, you know, people like to do church by the web or, you know, I, and I don't know. I mean, I try to do ministry without people, and it doesn't work. <laughs> and believe me, I've tried. It doesn't work. This is with us learning to be together. We've got to be together. And with that, it, it becomes this noise, this other noise of distraction where there's always something playing, there's always something to do, there's always something going... We had enough distractions before. Now we are, are going to be even more bombarded with distraction. So this is actually making a choice to be intentional. I am making a choice to live from a place. Because if you don't be intentional, you will be distracted. You will be distracted. There's just too many things. There's too many good things, actually. It doesn't even have to be sin. It could just be good stuff, right? Right? And be distracted and busy and not be in Him. Not be in the life things. I mean, how many of you have just done church for years and it works and it's good, but you're missing the life? The life is what we need. The very presence of the Lord is what the people need. I don't care how good we are, how good of what we put on. If we don't have the presence of the Lord, we are not giving them what they need. People need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with God. I meet leaders all the time, all the time, that are doing wonderful works of the Lord, doing wonderful things, but they're so busy doing church that that they don't have any time to do the things that got them in the first place. The thing that why they fell in love with Jesus, why they connected with Jesus, that they haven't led anybody to the Lord for a long time, that they haven't, you know, prayed for the sick because they're too busy training people to Pray for the sick, which is good and important, but you've got to see the sick get healed. You've got to put your hands on people. You've got to, in a good way, you've got to do the things to stir your spirit again. I mean, I think even the good things can distract us from the things that we really need to do instead of the, the stuff that's actually, you know, mountains and mountains before we even can experience life. Like we're trying to do good stuff, right? But there's no life on it. And what we need is life. I'm Convinced we can do less things with life and get more done. That's my that is my one of my goals. I want simple, 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 and I want I want my hands to be put to his hand on what he's breathing on. So if programs aren't working, I quit working them. If things aren't, you know, if if it's a different season, then we stop it. You know, it, it, life is what people need. We are in a time where people need to—they need power, they need to see power, and they need to—they need to experience the power of the Lord. It's all of it. All of it matters. It's the word, but it's also power. It's also experience, because experience always overrides arguments. Always. I don't argue with people. I'm not one of those. I just can't do it. I don't have—I don't have the energy actually. I don't know what it is, but I just hate arguing with people, and I just figure, oh, you're going to win anyways. But when it comes to, you know, like, you know, uh, people that want to argue about the gospel, like, I just don't do it. I don't, it's not my makeup, I guess, so to speak. But what I do love is I love to say, well, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you and then we'll talk. How about that? And then usually after I pray for him, we don't need to talk. We don't, it's a done deal. It's the, that's power evangelism. It's the best, it's the best, it's easier for me because I'm like, a, you know, in 30 seconds or less, tell me why you're hurting. That's my type of personality. So I love power evangelism. Encounter God, and then we'll talk. Encounter God, and then we talk. And people, that's what they're dying for. People all around us. And and we need all of it. What I'm saying, it has to come from the place of life. It can't come from the place of distraction. I personally have many voices coming at me. Many wonderful voices. Many not-so-wonderful voices. I have many voices coming at me telling me what they would love for me to do with my life. You have any of those? (laughs) It's a gift. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, years ago, the Lord said to me, listen, Christy, at the end of the day, my voice needs to be the loudest. So at the end of the day, God's voice must be the loudest. At the end of the day, the distractions cannot win out. And I, I, I believe that if we're not intentional, that we'll miss it very easily. And then it's. We'll try not to break this. <laughs> no promises. Oh, wow. you all came back alive. So if you were asleep, I saw you. <laughs> so. Every part of who we are. Our existence. Why we are. You know, God's spirit on us. I love it. I love that. You know, I love the scripture in Acts where he talks about his spirit's going to fall on all people. His spirit, in the last days, is going to pour his spirit out on his sons and his daughters. And they'll prophesy, and the young men will see visions, and the old men will dream dreams. You know what I actually think that means, that the old men will dream dreams? The old men will remember what they had forgotten all those years prior. That they'll come to life again. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit out in those days. And they will prophesy. This is interesting because it says that God's spirit coming on us, our existence, where we're found. More and more of God's spirit on us, where we find who we are. That it will cause us not to be famous. Not to want to be somebody. Not to build a big church. None of that. That we will prophesy. That's why he says in Corinthians, you need to. I want you to desire the gifts, but I really want you to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, because the gift of prophecy is what the gift of prophecy is to build somebody up. So when God's spirit, a byproduct of when God's spirit comes, is that we want to build people up. This is part of where our existence is found. This is part of where we're when we're in Him, when His spirit comes on us, we find out who we are, and in the midst of that, that we're called to build people up around us. That that's part. Of, that's the highest call. In fact, I, I believe of the church. I believe, and I believe it's one of the most powerful gifts that's overlooked is the gift of encouragement, which is the gift of, of prophecy. And the gift of encouragement is just to put courage inside somebody. You don't have to be profound to be powerful. You just have to be willing. That's it. Ninety-nine percent of ministry is just showing up. Right? It's just being willing. So we we live, we move, and we have our existence in Him. That means wherever we go, God is present. Ever we go, God is present. Ever we go, God is present. If you are saved, God's spirit inside of you, you carry the life to people around you. You, you're the one that represents God's spirit when you, when you walk into a room. You are the one that what you carry. See, I believe this, that if we really believed in what we have inside of us, it would change everything. Because if you really believe that God's spirit was inside of you, like how he is in you, how he dwells in you, his spirit on us and in us so that he can do stuff through us, that's how it works. If we really believe that, we would not be afraid of disease. We would not be afraid of hospitals, we would not be afraid of relationships or family dynamics or holidays or any of that sort of thing because of what we carry, that power has power over everything else in the room. In other words, when you walk in, into a place, you don't have to be afraid of what they have or that religion or, or whatever disease. Because the Spirit inside of you has power over everything around you. Now, just imagine if you believe that, how that would change how you live. It would change every aspect of how we do church. What we carry is the most important thing ever. Everything that we need for life, everything that we need this morning is found in the very presence of the Lord. Everything that we need this morning is found in Him, in His presence, right? Where can I go from your Spirit? That's what he says one Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit, Lord? It's like I get up and you're there. I go. I lie down and you're there. It's like every aspect, God is there. His presence is there, that we've been marked by him. So then as Paul points out, he says, so since we are found in God, this is where we live from. This is the place of where we need to, to be empowered from. He says we, we ought not to think, verse 29, turn to 29, let me read that. He says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think uh, the divine being is like gold, silver, stone, image made by man's design and skill. Now, this is really important because these are the distractions. These are the other things that we worship. These are the idols. These are the things, even church, you know, that, that God's not tied to that. God's not tied to organization. God's not. God didn't die for organization. He died for relationship. And so he's not tied to those things. I think we put way too much emphasis, and that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, this is like a message to the church. This is, do not waste your time putting all of your effort, all in the things that will not last, because that is not what God is tied to. God is tied to people. That is where we live from. When we live from that place, it'll take care of everything else. So we ought not to think. It means imagine it means don't imagine that you know, you know, the most important thing. The word device there actually means it's our eternal thoughts, it's our ideas, it's our imagination. So every, every man has a concept about God, but the truth is we can never imagine all of who God is. We can never imagine all the things that are important to his heart. And God will not fit into our man-made ideas. This is not about, you know, God following what the church wants to do. This is about us figuring what God wants to do and the church getting on board that. That is the call of the church. God will not fit into our ideas. He will not fit into our understanding. If you have to understand everything, you're in real trouble because most of the kingdom is not about understanding. I don't believe that we'll we'll understand most of things. I, I believe our list of questions will always be longer than our answers. You should have a whole list that you want to talk to the Lord about one day. I do. It should be a long list because we'll never understand. I never understand why God, I never understand in praying for people. I mean, healing is one of the most confusing things. You pray for people. I prayed for people all through the years, you know, with with cancer or whatever. And you pray for somebody that's, that is that is a just a nasty person, not even nice, and God heals them right there. And they actually don't even care. I've seen that. And then you pray for somebody else that is a lovely person, that loves the Lord, and then they die and they go and be with him. I mean, we are never going to understand the ways of the Lord. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so he will never fit into our idea. If you have a vision, and you can actually figure out the whole vision of what God's saying to you, that is your vision. We should not be able to understand everything that God calls us into. In fact, I I believe in the kingdom that it's always living in this place on the edge. I never know what's going to happen. I don't know if God's going to actually heal. I don't know if God's going to deliver. I don't know who's going to get saved, but I I don't know unless I do it. And when I do it, then he'll do what he wants to do. But if you expect nothing, you're probably going to get that. It's living in the place of, listen, even if we don't understand, we say yes. And how do we live in that place? Even if we don't understand what God's doing? In Him. In Him. That's where we need to be found. That's where we find our connection. Living living by His ideas and not our ideas. This is why so many people and so much of the church, and we live in a place where, where you know people want to create truth. They want to create their own truth. And they want to create a truth that they can follow. So they pick parts of the Bible, even leaders pick parts of the Bible that they want to believe because they want it to match up to what they want. And people usually can, you know, create their own truth so that they can live according to what's comfortable for them. And this is why we cannot offer a convenient Christianity because it's not about convenience. There's nothing in the Bible that Jesus said this was going to be easy. Jesus said people are going to hate you. That's pretty clear. He said this is going to cost you everything. That's pretty clear. He said, you might lose your family. You might lose your friends. You know, David said in the scripture, I have such a zeal for the Lord. I have such a a passion for the Lord that I'm like an alien in my own family. That's the call of the kingdom. That's what it looks like to live in Him. And so we have to live in the truth. You mess with the truth, you mess with your freedom. It's in the truth of who God is, of staying in that place, of what He's saying. No matter what's going on around us, what we understand, what we don't understand, this is what it looks like to live in His Spirit, by His Spirit. It's from this place. So we can't, it's not about our idea of what we think God is. It's rather His children Learning to be led by his spirit. This is Romans. The children of God are led by the spirit of God. It's his spirit that identifies with our spirit that we belong to him. This is where we're led. If you get led up here, you're in big trouble. Because up here is your emotions, it's your soul, it's your feelings, and our feelings change all the time. And if we're not living in him, we'll make decisions off of feelings and we mess everything up. Our spirit man identifies with his spirit, and that's how we're led, as his children, when we know something's not right. That's why when peace comes, peace passes our understanding. It doesn't mean our circumstances change, it just means in my spirit I have a peace. I don't get this. I don't. I don't understand what you're doing. I remember years ago the Lord said to me, because I was really irritated about something. I wanted to. I really wanted to just get what was happening, and um, and the Lord said to me, Christy, I said that um, I didn't say that I give understanding. I said I pass it. I'm not necessarily going to you know give you everything that you want in understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you have to go back in Him, okay, Lord, in my spirit being connected to him, in the intimacy with him, in my relationship with him. I say yes to you because that's my spirit, man, my peace, living from from that place of connection. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. This is what it looks like to live naturally supernatural. It's in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being, that we find our existence. It's in his Spirit. It's not, you can't jump ahead. Every time we jump ahead and we get out of his Spirit, we get in trouble. Every time we go ahead of him, we get in trouble. But, you know, sometimes I think we just know too much. We just know too much. There's too much out there. There's too many things to pick. There's too many options. And sometimes, you know, what we know can actually keep us from more of him. Sometimes we know so much that we actually have to unlearn a lot of things just to live from the place of being in him. Just in that simplicity of resting with him, the intimacy of being with him. Because for whatever reason, you know, it's easier to go ahead. It's easier to just do. You know, I know. I grew up in the church. I know that I could do church. I know that I could have a massive church. I know that I could do all the right things, and I could have a massive church. Because I know how church works, and I know how church functions. You know why I don't want to do that? Because I know that whatever I build, I'm going to have to maintain it. And I will end up resenting it. Because if it doesn't have God's spirit on it, and if it's not what he's building, I will not love it. I will not love it. I will end up with something that I have to keep going like a machine. So in him is where I find, in that place of connection, what I'm called into. What you're called into. What to say yes to. What to say no to. What to be full of. What not to be full of. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. It's all John 14, John 15, John 16. The gift of the Holy Spirit, that he's a gift to us. That, that you know, one of my favorite things in, in John chapter 14, where it talks about when Jesus says, I'm leaving you. So in this, I picture the disciples and their faces go, what? Wait, wait what? Where are you going? And Jesus says, I'm leaving you, but I'm I'm leaving somebody better for you. This 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 is going to he's going to remind you of everything that I've taught you, which they obviously didn't get all of it yet. He's going to remind you of what I've taught you and he's going to guide you and he's going to comfort you and he's going to be your counselor. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is being in him, in his spirit from this place. When we get uncomfortable, that is when we need the Holy Spirit. So if you're living comfortably, something's wrong. Because if we're not uncomfortable, we will not need his spirit. It is when we are uncomfortable, he comforts those who need comfort. When we live uncomfortably, it's more that we need his spirit. It's more that we rely upon him. Personally, if I don't have, you know, a lot of uh, opposition, resistance, whatever you want to call it, it makes me very nervous. It makes me very nervous. When I have protesters... Or I have, you know, people that don't like me. How many found, if you're in the ministry, not everybody. They love you. It's, you know, they love you and then they hate you. You're the greatest thing. And then who are you? You know, it's a wonderful, leadership is a wonderful thing. You know, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes. And, um, and, but it gives me great peace, actually. It gives me great peace when I have great opposition. Because then I know I'm on to something. I'm on to something. And if everything's comfortable, something is wrong. If I'm not failing, I'm not risking. Like, I'm not failing enough, it means I'm not risking enough. If everybody you pray for gets healed, you're not praying for enough people. There should be an element of of us failing, of us risking, of us living in that place of being radically uncomfortable. But it's in Him. It's in Him. It's that connection that's the most important thing. Because that's what He's given to us. So, really what Paul, you know, the encouragement here, remember what Paul's saying, is he's saying, listen... Look to see what's important to the Lord. You know, this, it's not—it's not what we put together. It's not even how good we put it together. It's, it's what God says he's looking for, that he's designed everything. He's put everybody in place. Let's wait for him. Let's live from that place of his spirit. Let's not determine how things should go. Let's not get caught up in the structure of things. I love structure. And we talk about, I, I don't mind structure. I think structure is important. But, but structure can actually kill so many things. Structure in the church should only facilitate to me what the Holy Spirit's doing. Once that turns, we're in trouble. Once that turns, we're in trouble. Structure should only facilitate things, right? Because you got to have structure. But Paul's saying, "Listen, that's that's not what's most important. It's it's being with him. That's the most important thing. It's in the place of revelation." That's why he said, you know, in Ephesians, he said, I pray that you would have a wisdom and a revelation that you might know him more. The revelation that we get, it comes from the place of being in him. It comes from the place of intimacy. Revelation is birthed from the place of intimacy. If you want to know the heart of the Lord, be intimate with him. If you want to have things revealed to you, you've got to be with him. You've got to get his heart. Lord, what's the most important thing to you? What are you putting your hands to? What are you revealing to me? It comes from the place uh, uh, of being with him. Proverbs 28 talks about where there's no vision, meaning where there's no revelation, that the, pe- the people cast off restraint. You know what that means? The people, when there's no revelation for our life, we will give ourselves to all kinds of stuff. We will, we will find people in bondage, and too much of the church is in bondage. Too much of the church is in slavery, and our highest call is to take people out of slavery, so we've got to get free, right? We've got to have a vision. When you have a revelation, you will say no to things. You will restrain yourself. We need to give people a revelation of the Lord. And in turn, we need to have revelation from the Lord. And revelation only comes from the place of intimacy. In Him is where we live. In Him is when we where we move. In Him is where we find why we are and who we are and why we exist and what we're anointed for. It's from that place. So it's never about the outward. It's never about the outward. It's about what God's doing internally. He'll do the outward because he loves, you know, stuff happening even more than we do. He loves his church growing even more than we do. He loves things taking place even more than we do. But our job, our responsibility is to is to know him. I don't believe that Jesus, you know, spent all that time to build men to build the church. I believe he spent that time to build men to know himself. When we know him, we'll build the church. When we're with him, we'll love who he is and we'll love the things that he does and we'll want to give our whole life to it. It's that whole thing. We do a lot of mercy ministry, all that all that sort of stuff. I'll tell you this. I found you can't you can't really do mercy ministries without mercy. Like, you actually need some mercy. And the only way that I get mercy is when I'm with the Lord. Because when I'm with the Lord, I get a perspective that I didn't have before. I get a clarity that I didn't have before. I get the bigger picture that I didn't have before. But you know one of the most powerful things in being in Him, you know what it does? It begins to take things off of us and obligations and distractions and all of those things that actually steal what we need more than anything else. And that is Him. The simplicity of being with Him and learning to live from the place of in His Spirit. Everything from that place... That's what breathes life. That's what breathes life on everything else around us. It breathes life on us, and it breathes life on the people around us. That is where we're called to live. That's where we're called to to move, and that's where we're called to find who we are. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? It's a wonderful way that God's equipped us to live from the place so that we don't dry up, so that we don't get, you know, bitter, so that we don't, you know, too many people, they live from stuff. They live from their own stuff. You know, too many leaders preach from their own stuff. You know, when I hear a really critical, you know, cynical leader, you know, sarcasm, which actually I could be pretty sarcastic. It's a gift. But I mean, I mean, I mean when it when it crosses over. I mean, a real cynical thing. It's because that, that there hasn't been the time of having all that cleaned out. You got to clean stuff out so you can minister from the place of health and wholeness, and that you're giving from the place of being with him and not out of where you were hurt or out of where you were rejected or out of the place, you know what I mean? It's And so it's a, it's a decision to make that that is where we're going to learn to live from. Amen? Amen, why don't you stand? Now, I heard that um, your coffee is very important to you. And I do not want to get in the way of that. But I do want to just seal what, what, um, what God's beginning here. And so if you don't mind, if you could just put your hand over your heart. Let me just bless you. Let me just bless you. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Just relax. Just relax. We thank you for your presence, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you seal... Your words. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of what's most important. And I I pray, Lord, that this would be a day of slowing down. That we would just slow down, Lord, and hear your heart today. Hear what you have to say. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Just center us today. Seal your words, Lord. Sharpen what needs to be sharpened. Lord, show us. I pray, Lord, that you would show us what's important to you. What's your heart, Lord? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to break and then we're going to come back, right? We'll do some ministry.